Good morning, everybody. How you guys doing? Good? Dan, I was walking, Dan's walking off stage. I'm like, hey, Dan. He's like, hey, I know that guy. <laughs> no, it's good to have you guys here, Dan. I appreciate it. I know I've had the opportunity, like Pastor Dan, to go down to Peru and uh, just be a part of what they're doing. And it's just an awesome experience to be able to go and to minister and to support them and what they're doing and uh, the kids and the families there. And so uh, I think I've been down three times and uh, just been able to do some manual labor to help build some facilities that they're using to house those families and kids. So I encourage you to stop by before you leave to see them and uh, just say hey and find out more about them. And if anything, right, put them on your prayer list and pray for them. And as they go about serving um, the, the families in Peru, it's just a blessing that they are to that community to be able to lead people to Jesus and love them. So uh, thank you for what you guys do and uh, just appreciate them. You know, today, uh, you guys, most of you know me, my name's Nate Westerfield, the Creative Arts Pastor here. You know, uh, um, if you weren't here for the announcements, 20 days left, right? And so, um, until I transition full-time into Midwest Food Bank, I'm still here as a, uh, as a volunteer. Um, but as a pastor, this will probably be my last message, right, as a pastor, um, if they have me back. They may not have me back, I don't know, uh, to speak. Uh, but, um, but, so it's a little bit, you know, it's, a, it's a one of those little things, it's a, it's a little of a reminiscent of thinking about all the times that uh, we've had different opportunities to engage together, whether it be in worship or in music, right, or in message. We all get this commonality to come together and to learn and to grow and to encourage each other and to spur one another on to do good things. And so I thank you for that opportunity to be able to do that, to serve in this way, right? And today, as we continue the Unrivaled series, um, I'm just excited about what God um, continues to do through his word, but also in our own world today and how we get to reach out to others and how we get to share him with others as well. But I have to be honest, the other day um, I was going to Best Buy to pick up some things for the church and um, as I was sitting at the stoplight there at War Memorial, you know, before you turn in to the shopping center there, there was a guy um, who was walking the, um, the meridian there and, uh, and our medium, whatever you call it. Uh, <laughs> and, and he's standing there with a sign saying, you know, please donate, right? Need food, need money, right? And I have to be honest. My first thought was, this guy's walking and he's working these cars, right? Up and down, up and down, back. I was like, man, if you just took that effort and put it into a job, you could actually maybe make some money for yourself, right? Now, I have to admit, was that the right thought to have in the beginning? Maybe. Maybe it's good to ask that question. But rather than my heart breaking for maybe the circumstance he's in that I don't know about, I was first to judge what he was doing there, right? And so as we look at the scripture today, I want us to keep that in mind because it's something that we see here in Matthew chapter 20. It's easy for us to see and look at people and maybe assume too quickly their perspective, their position in their life. And so we miss the miracle in that moment because we don't have the full picture of where they're at. And so I have to admit, I felt a little guilty, right? Thinking those thoughts, thinking back, going, man, God, forgive me for going right there in that moment that first time. So today, what I want to do is I want us to look at uh, Matthew chapter 20 and read some scriptures there. And 
what I love for us to do as we read this is just to keep our hearts and our minds open to what God would have us to say today, to our, to our own hearts, to our own minds. So let's pray this together. Dear Lord, we just thank you so much for your goodness and your kindness. Lord, and for your ability, God, to see people in a different way. Lord, I thank you that as we study your word today together, as we dive in and we hear your Holy Spirit speak to us, God, help us to have eyes like you. Not to look at this world, God, and to look at the circumstances and to be quick to judge and quick to assume, but God, to let your spirit lead us and guide us, to let your spirit open up our hearts and our minds, God, to have your love and your compassion your empathy, your sympathy for those around us. Even when we don't know the circumstances, even when we may think that there's a better way, God, help us to be open to you and your love and your mercy. God, we just give you all the praise and thanks. Amen. Amen. I have to admit, I mean, you know, when you see a guy like that in the streets, I know some of my preconceptions have, have been swayed by YouTube and some other things, right? You can go on the web today and you can look and see the richest beggars ever. And there's some that have made millions of dollars begging, right? And it's funny that it's a career for some people, right? There's a top 10 list of the most richest uh, beggars in the world, right? And so those, those facts that we come to know often sway sometimes how we perceive everybody in that position, Right? And as we read this in Matthew 20, I think we can also say the people of Jesus' day also had that same position to some degree. But we'll get there. Let's read this together. Matthew 20, verses 29 through 40, 34, and then we're going to break that down together and go from here. Go from there. Matthew chapter 20, verses 29 through 34. Let's start there at 29. As Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. Two blind men were sitting by the roadside. And when they had heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. The crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet, but they shouted all the louder, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus stopped and called them, what do you want me to do for you? He asked, Lord, they answered, we want our sight. Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. Immediately they received their sight and followed him. First off, I don't know if we've said this throughout the miracle series, but I love what John says in chapter 21, right? He says this. He says, now there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written, right? It may have been said, but as we look at the scriptures, these miracles that we see within the New Testament, they're just a small taste of what Jesus really did. John spells it out for us there, that if we had written down everything that Jesus had done, it would fill all the books in the world, right? And so for us to wrap our head around these miracles that Jesus did, we have to think bigger. We have to believe bigger in that. But then we have to also ask this one question, then why did these certain miracles get included? And why did the other ones not get included? Why were they a part of the story and the other ones left out of the story? Well, I think one thing here that's important about this, this uh, particular miracle is the fact that 
we see Jesus, right? He's on his way back in Jerusalem. It's during Passover, right? And so Jesus is, he's on his way to prepare to be crucified. He knows where he's going, right? He's coming out of Jericho. Here we see him on his way back out of the town into Jerusalem. He knows what's before him, right? And in this one moment, we get to see a cool picture of the compassion, the ultimate compassion of who Jesus was, right? Because I think it's easy for us as, as human beings, it's easy for me as a doer, right, to think about all the things I have to do. Jesus is probably thinking, I've got to make sure the disciples are ready. I've got to make sure that everything's prepared, right? I, I'm, I'm a little concerned about Peter because he kind of shoots off from the hip, right? And so, like, how do, can I make sure that he's trained to, to take this new initiative when I, I die on the cross? What else has to happen? Is everything going to be in place, right? Jesus is planning. He's maybe thinking all these different things in his mind. And if he's like me, I get so focused on the task that I forget about what's around me. I often miss the moments that could be miracles, right? And in this story, we see Jesus do the opposite. But I think it's important for us to also understand a few things about these two men. Right? Jesus could have been preoccupied. Yes. Right? There's a crowd of people that have swarmed around him and, and are pushing and shoving and pushing other people out of the way because they just want to be close to Jesus. Right? And he's thinking about the crucifixion and all those things happening, and yet there's these two guys on the side, and they're, they're blind, but, but what does that have to do with the story, right, other than the miracle itself, right? Why are just these two guys here? And I think it's important that we also understand that in Jericho in those days, there was probably a high percentage of blind men and women in the city in those days. Now, why were they blind? Well, they don't have some of the advances that we have today, Right? They didn't have the medicine, the access to medicine as readily, right? The, the cities and, and uh, the towns in those days were not as clean as we uh, have our own cleanliness today, right? There's all these different reasons that they probably had more blindness than we have today, or at least they didn't have access to help those, um, those troubles as well, right? They didn't have Braille and all these different resources to help those that have uh, blindness in their lives today, right? And oftentimes, because of the uncleanliness, kids were born blind because of viruses that they contracted as a kid, right? Some were blind because of the wars that they fought or the work that they did, right? It was a harder environment. But one thing that was cool about Jericho in those days, and this isn't the Jericho of the Old Testament, it's the new Jericho, which is a little bit farther south, right, of, of the old Jericho, they had some bushes there that said, or people believed, could heal blindness. So a lot of Christian authors or Christian uh, theologians believe that there are probably a higher percentage of blind individuals there because of this promise of a bush to, to heal their eyes, right? It's like our world today. We go to where the healings are, right? We go to where the 
the shots are to help us recover from certain things, right? That we know about, that we've been tried and true and tested, right? We go to those things or we go to the preachers who say they can heal us, right? We've seen that throughout our, our worlds here in America and across the world, we've seen preachers do that, right? People flock to them. You can imagine the blind people of the day flocking to Jericho, having their family members take them there because there's a hope that maybe, just maybe, this bush and its medicine can heal the blindness that I have, right? Because hope, hope leads them to that place. But I think it's even more important that we see Jesus potentially being preoccupied. We see the blind men being blind because we're not sure of why. Maybe they were uh, able to see as children and they became blind. Maybe they were blind from birth. We're not quite sure of that. But one thing we do get to see in this picture, and as we read the scripture a little bit more together, is we do see that they aren't quite blind in the sense of this. They recognized who Jesus was. They were physically blind, yes, but spiritually they could see. Spiritually they knew that this guy could potentially take their world from dark to light. So spiritually they had a different perspective. Now, we can look throughout the Bible, especially in the New Testament, and we can see a bunch of different references where Jesus leads us and shows us where we, right, in the, in the Pharisees and Sadducees of the day, were blind. Like in John, where it says that men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil, right? Or Romans, chapter 11, 25, which says blindness in part is happened to Israel. Or 2 Corinthians three fourteen, their minds were blinded. Or Jesus' word in Matthew 25, 23, you blind guides, Blind Pharisees, those are some paraphrases as you read that passage. You see the word blindness in the NIV about five different times. Jesus keeps calling them out, you are blind. You're blind, you can't see. You can't see the truth that Jesus was speaking. And how many people in our world do we know live in this darkness? They don't live in the light as we do, right? For those who said yes to Jesus. They live in this darkened world where they're lost. They're grasping at anything to try and give them hope, to give them away. Some turn to drugs, some turn to alcohol, to gambling, to pornography. There's all these different things that they grab a hold of to try to find that peace and that joy and that sight in their life that Jesus can give and bring. So, they're blind, but they can spiritually see. We see them call out Jesus in a, in a peculiar way, right? They, they, they knew something about him that most didn't know. In verse 30, we read this. Two blind men were sitting by the roadside, and when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. Son of David is a reference to who Jesus was, Right? Not just who he was, but that he is the Messiah, right? 
out of the Bible, we know that out of the line of David, the Messiah would come. And so these blind men, in that moment, were able to call out, Son of David, Lord, please have mercy on us. They knew who he was. Their spiritual blindness didn't exist. The physical blindness did, but spiritually they knew something deep about who Jesus was. But here's what I love about this too, right? They don't uh, just like kind of like, hey Jesus, hey Jesus, right? They just don't do that. No, I love what the, the Greek word, or the, actually the um, Hebrew word here for shout in that, in that scripture, it says krezo, right? What's, what do you guys think that word means, krezo, right? What do you think it means? Crazy, right? So do you think these guys are just like, hey Jesus, hey Jesus, they're praying, yo Jesus, hey Jesus, hey Jesus, right? They're probably blind, they're probably falling all over people, but they're just screaming, right? They're just shouting it out. They're going crazy for Jesus because this is what? What is this? They know what he can do. And this may be their only shot, their only chance to do what? To see. And they know that this is the man that can do it. They've heard, that's the one thing, right, that they haven't lost is their hearing. And they've heard all the people talking They've heard all of the news and the rumors throughout that this man Jesus does miracles. This man Jesus has raised the dead. This man Jesus has made the deaf to hear. This man Jesus can maybe help you see. And so they're not just mildly standing by as Jesus and the crowd pass by. They're shouting. Reminds me of my little Hudson and the little kids at the homecoming parades, right? They're throwing candy out. Yeah, candy, candy, candy. But these guys had more to gain, right? Than just a sweet piece of treat, right? They had a new life. Giving them sight would be able to allow them to contribute back to society. They could work, right? They could work for their families. They could provide food for their families. They could do all these things that they probably were limited to do. Because like me in my truck, casting judgment on a man, the rest of the world had cast judgment on them. They were worthless. They didn't add value to society. We see that in verse 31. The crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet, but they shouted all the louder. And I think as Christians, that's one thing we need to to do more, right? A lot of times when people start shouting at us and start knocking us down and taking down our faith, we retract, we recoil. These guys didn't, right? They didn't retract at all. Matter of fact, they got even louder. They got even louder. Remember, it's their last chance. It's their last hope to see. And here they are. They're taking everything they have inside of them and they're proclaiming it out saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. Have mercy on us. God, have mercy on us. They weren't gonna back down. And then in those next verses, we see what Jesus does. Verse 32, Jesus stopped 
and called them, what do you want me to do for you? He asked, Lord, they answer, we want our sight. And then Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. Immediately they received their sight and followed them. Now, I think it's important for us also to recognize something else. They didn't proclaim to Jesus, we deserve our sight. I was born with this and you need to make it right. No, they were humble in their requests. Lord, will you grant unmerited favor and allow me to see? Isn't that what Jesus did on the cross for us? He died on the cross for you and I and he offers unmerited favor so that no matter what we've done, we can be made right, turn from darkness into his marvelous light, right? In this small story, we see that same thing happen in a physical way to these guys. Humbly, they request. Although it be loud, still humble, saying, Lord, can you give us our sight? And then what's even better is they don't just take the miracle, right, and turn around and walk away and go tell people about it. No, they receive the gift. And then what does it say there in verse 34? At the end, immediately they received their sight and what? And followed him. How many of us have received a good thing from God? We threw up a little thank you and we went our own way. We see that with some of the miracles in Jesus' day, right? We see the lepers, the ten lepers. Only one returns to give thanks, right? But here we see these men not only receive their sight, but they finally take action and say, no, thank you, Lord, for this gift. Now I want to follow you. And who knows where they ended up? Who knows what they did for the Lord after that? But I believe that as they followed Jesus, they saw more miracles. They got to witness the crucifixion on the cross and maybe they were part of the 500 when Jesus ascended into heaven, who knows? But they never forgot that moment. They never forgot what Jesus did for them then. And so what's that mean for us? It's a great story. I'm a Christian, I've already said yes to Jesus. I live in the light. Maybe you're not a Christian. Maybe you're like, I don't, I'm not in darkness. I don't feel like I'm in darkness. You know, and that's something that we've just got to believe that God will one day open your heart to open your eyes to see that truth. And if that is you today, I pray that as you learn more about Jesus, that he does do that. That he opens your eyes to see his compassion and his love and his mercy. And then no matter what you're going through, just like a good father or a good mother, the one beautiful thing as we know in Jesus is that he has endured it all He knows what it feels like. He knows what the pain and suffering is like. And he doesn't just sit up in heaven and go, man, I really feel bad for you today. No, he he hurts for you. 
because he loves us so much. Just like me being a father, you being a father and mother. When our kids hurt, we hurt. And I believe that Jesus, as he sits up there and he knows the pain that we have to go through sometimes, as we're walking through that, it's not like he's going, son or daughter, I don't want you to have to deal with this pain, but you know what? There's a lesson you need to learn in this process. But all through it, he's going, man, I wish I could let this go, but you've got to learn this. And maybe it's the healing that we've been praying for, and God just hasn't answered it yet, but you know what? I'm not saying that he won't. I'm not saying he will. He knows what's best, right? And that's where we have to have that trust and that faith that these two guys, when they got up, they didn't know for sure that Jesus would heal them, but man, they did their darndest and they did their best and in the end, they received their sight, but even if they didn't, even if you don't, will you still follow? And that's probably one of the hardest questions for us today because in our world, we don't see a lot of this, right? We don't see a lot of people walking down front in a church and getting healed. Sometimes you hear stories across the world of this happening, but in our world, you know, we're, we're blessed with a lot of doctors and good educations and a lot of different things that give us a lot of tools to help us I'm a recipient of that myself, going through the brain tumor, right? God put the right doctors in the right places at the right time. They found it, they removed it, they radiated it, and man, I'm still here today, and I was told I probably wouldn't have kids, and I've got three beautiful boys, right? So we see those miracles. Maybe we don't see them in the same way, but we do see them. So if you haven't said yes to Jesus, I I encourage you to dig more because he loves you. There's not a thing he wouldn't do for you. There isn't a thing he hasn't done for you as he died on the cross for you. That doesn't always mean that life's going to be great. We all face trials, but man, it's no better than having a Savior who loves you like he does to go through the things we have to go through. And I know for us Christians, and this is something even me, sitting there in my truck at the stoplight looking at this guy, we need more compassion in our lives. It's easy to cast judgment. And so I pray this morning as we close out that God, you give us more compassion. How many of us are willing to sacrifice all that we have to love people that we don't know and who aren't like us. Because we're sure blessed a lot. And it's a hard call to say, God, I'm gonna sell it all. And I'm gonna go reach people that don't know you in a place that's probably not very clean. They may have more sickness and more things that don't align with what I'm used to but God, I'm gonna trust you. So God, help us open our eyes to see those people around us, 
to give freely the things that we've been blessed with and the opportunities we have and to use our resources to take people in, to love them like you love them. God, to help them when they need help, to feed them, to clothe them, to do whatever we can to show your compassion because this world needs it. And I think as Christians, we need to be a beggar, particularly these two blind beggars. And we need to scream and we need to cry and we need to shout and we need to get on our knees and we need to pray for people. And we need to ask God to intercede in ways he's never interceded before. And he'll only do that when we get desperate like these guys were. They were so desperate they would do anything. And I have to, I have to be honest, I feel like a lot of ways the church today is apathetic and not engaged and not ready to do this. We're not desperate enough. We haven't faced enough persecution to be pushed to be desperate for God. In our churches, in our communities, in our schools, in our homes, we're starting to see us get upset about different political standings and different decisions. But in the end, we're more worried about those two than we are about leading people to Jesus. We need to get loud. Loud in our love, in our compassion, in our prayers, in our worship, to show people that we believe what we believe and that we mean what we say and that our God is greater and bigger than anything and everything, that he is the hope and the answer for the world. And in the end, we need to keep following Jesus, right? So I just pray. And I don't, I don't, as I thought about this, and you know, I knew Dan and Katie would be here, and I know that they've they live in a world, right, that's different than ours. You drive through the hills of of, of going to where they live, and you see the poverty at a level that we can't comprehend until you see it with your own eyes. But we have so many people in America that they're in poverty. They might have a house, they might have a home, they might have a car, they might have all these other things, but in their mind and in their spiritualness, they are in poverty. They are so stricken, poor, with no hope and all despair that they don't have anything that we have. And all we have to do is proclaim it, shout it, let them know that, hey, we're here, we love you. Man, we love you. Man, there's so much compassion in driving us to see you come to know Jesus. But first, let me do this. Let me help you with where you're at. You need clothes? I've got clothes. You need, you need food? I've, I've got food. But why are you doing this for me? Because I love you. No, you don't. Yeah, I do. But why do you love me? Because Jesus loved me. And I was in the same place you were. I might have had all these other things, but in the end, my soul was in a dark, dark place. And Jesus gave me light. And so I do this because he did it for me. So God help us to have more compassion. God help us to be beggars who are loud and unashamed to proclaim and ask in your name. And God help us to follow you each and every day. Can we commit to that as a church? Can we be louder as a church? Can we pray? You know, we started doing prayer nights here on uh, the third Monday night at church. I would love to see this place full of people praying. 
Because you know what happens before revival? People pray. God said it, right? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, right? Then he will hear from heaven and he will heal their land. So God, help us to be loud for you, to cry out for you. And God, help us to follow you. Amen? Amen. Let's bow our heads and pray. Dear God, just thank you so much. God, thank you for your love and your mercy and your goodness and your grace. And Lord, as we read a simple story of two men, God, that you've healed, that you gave them sight, you've took them from dark to light. God, help us to take the same story. To not cast judgment, God, to look at others and to, Lord, have compassion. Lord, for us to be beggars ourselves because we cannot do one thing to earn a place in heaven. God, you've done it all. Can't buy our way in. We can't work our way in. God, we have to receive that grace. And Lord, as we receive it, God, let us proclaim your goodness to the world around. And don't let us be shy about it. But God, let us be loud. And Lord, as we follow you, It's not always going to be easy. And as we are allowed, people may come just like those people did to the blind men and try to push us down and tell us to shut our mouths and not be loud. And God, help us rally around each other. To lift each other up, not tear each other down. God, to support each other as we're loud together, pointing people to you. Lord, I thank you. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to be a community together, to love and support each other, to follow you together. Lord, I just pray that as we do that, Lord, that we continue to get to point people to you. Thank you for your love and your goodness. I give you all the praise and glory. Amen.